Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. Today on the show, I have Ian Hannigan, who is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Formation. Ian was a speaker at one of our online events during uh, the COVID lockdown period back in 2020. Um, and he gave a great talk then. Uh, we'll have the video in the show notes. But um, what was exciting here is that his company, Formation, is is really kind of succeeding and getting breaking into kind of the indoor mapping space with large enterprises. Um, and so I wanted to get him back on the show to give us an update and see how that's evolving uh, and how it's going. So, Ian, welcome back. W- welcome back to GeoMob and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Ed. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. What exactly is Formation? Tell us your story. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it can sometimes be a difficult question to answer, um, but I, I would say like Formation is a location based approach to digitalizing a business. Um, so, we provide private and secure maps for our clients. Um, working teams use the map as a platform for collaboration and organizing the work activities and processes of the company. Um, the, the client can also choose to visualize um, specific data from connected um, devices or other internal systems that they might have on the map. Uh, it works right out of the box. And it's a hybrid indoor and outdoor solution. So we, we just want to handle the workplace uh, regardless of whether it's indoor or outdoor. Give, give, give us some examples of who, what type of clients are you talking about? Who, who uses, like, what, what, it's an app? It's a, like, what, what is it? What is sure, it? sure. Yeah, so it's, it's an app. Um, so it it's a, a works on any device. It's a web-based uh, product. Uh, so our customers would be the likes of, uh, in defense and security, uh, the example would be the German army. Um, so we're working on a logistics case with them. It's really interesting. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of t- uh, fast-moving teams. There's a lot of disassembly going on, reassembly, uh, and uh, we're helping them coordinate all of that uh, while also digitizing the entire environment. Um, and, and so the use case is just fundamentally... On the app, I get to see where my teammates are, see where the equipment is. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we're, we're really using the map as as an as an integration layer where everything kind of comes together, and we visualize the important things. Like, so, like you said, um, if you're sharing your location with specific team members, you can see them. Uh, you can see interesting uh, locations, points of interest, tasks, meetings. They're all on there. Zones, areas that are of interest. Of course, the maps. Uh, themselves. Uh, we have like a floor switcher. Um, and then we've got a bunch of uh, little productivity tools. So you can sort of arrange, uh, you can, it's a read write sort of setup. So, so you can add content to the map. Um, you can share that content easily with other people. And so it's a, you can even now by now add images, links, documents to points that you add on the map. So there's a super light CMS going on in there effectively. Um, so like, uh, uh, let's take that as an example for, in terms of use cases, I mean, if you can attach an image to a point, then you can spot a fault in a, in a factory, take a picture, add a point to the map, attach the picture, you know, add a description and then assign it to the maintenance team, for example. I see. 
I see. Okay. So really making uh, apps, uh, making maps part of the, as, as a kind of a canvas for collaboration. And and give us give us the big background on the on the business. How long have you guys been going? And and it, it, give us some sense of the the scale of things. Sure. So yeah, so we we officially became a company in 2020, um, but we had worked on the idea for a couple of years before that. So it just started out as a as a, a, a sort of a half baked idea. Um, um, I, I, so I spent about a year just developing the concept. I didn't, I was working with BCG at the time. It was quite busy, so I didn't have any sort of time pressure. So the idea started to develop for a, a, a sort of a map based app for squads and teams and workers. And then uh, I met Jan Lackenmeyer, one of the co-founders. Jan was running a mesh network company in Berlin called Meshine. And that's how we got in touch. And then Marcus Furman, an entrepreneur who's pretty well known in Germany, introduced me to Philip Stelzer. And Philip is another one of the, the co-founders. And slowly the the founding team came together. And then the, the rest of the team started to kind of rally around this kind of idea. We were all quite motivated by um, making it like a consumer grade kind of experience for workers. We felt that was a really ignored kind of part of the, the digital landscape. So, um, yeah, and then uh, we were eventually uh, accelerated by Bosch uh, Startup Harbor. Um, and that was a really good experience. And that really did kind of deliver on its mission, you know, really did accelerate our development. And um, during that time, then we started uh, having discussions with the army. We were obviously talking with a lot of internal units within Bosch, uh, Hela Aglaya and, and others. And so things just started to come together. We were doing a lot of pilots originally, as you, as you kind of would expect, it's pretty normal path. Uh, and then we were, you know, moving towards then, um, um, actually signing up customers and kind of moving out of the, the kind of POC phase, and being taken a bit more seriously by some of these companies. The Army was a very long process um, uh, from meeting to signing, probably about a year and a half, so very long. Well, um, well, this is this is one of the points that I find very impressive about what you're doing. I, I mean, we'll get into the technical aspects in a bit, but it's just amazing that as a, as a new business, as a startup, you're able to work with these big enterprises. I mean, I say that as a as a company founder myself and it's a real struggle sometimes to to interact with these major organizations just they, they you know it's a different time scale and i can imagine that's especially the case if you're not just selling software but you have to also you know you're giving giving them a tool that their employees have to work with and interact with in the real world how, how does this work how have you been able to succeed with that yeah, no, I think you're totally correct. I mean, about the scale, the, you know, the David Goliath kind of situation. So, I mean, the, the problem with often with enterprise, they can just kill you with their size, right? So they're so big, there's so Absolutely. many units, their structures are so complicated to navigate. And as a small team or a fledgling company trying to just make payroll, as it were, like it's it's very difficult to, to survive against them. I think... Um, for, for us, it's a kind of a combination of things. So um, we treat that kind of um, enterprise level um, kind of sales uh, pipeline, let's say, as as a kind of a B pipeline. And so for, for the kind of more regular bread and butter type sales, we're focused on smaller clients, smaller okay. situations. And then we use that to buy ourselves time to basically survive against the, the big corporate. I mean, in the case of the army, uh, as I said, it was like a year and a half. Uh, it's going to start to finish. But 
Um, but they were very fast, generally speaking. So it was about a six month kind of process at the beginning um, where they were evaluating us. And it was only like about a month, uh, maybe two months of the kind of due diligence and security checks and all that kind of stuff. And then, then it was fairly quick. It was more like just the bureaucracy internally and the sign offs and all that kind of stuff started to really slow things down at the end. Um, and that's why it actually took almost a year and a half in the end. But, but really the, the, the bit from where we met them to the bit where they said, okay, this is something we want to use was about six months, which is actually lightning fast. So we've got to give, I, I guess, credit to the army in that sense that they're, they were faster than the typical enterprise, at least in intentions. <laughs> um, so, so that that's probably how we survived there. I mean, in terms of Bosch, they were more like bite-sized pilots, um, proofs of concept, things like this. So, so they were shorter in nature in terms of approval and execution. So, so we could do more of those, and they were more distributed. Like the Hella Aglaia one was also a kind of a proof of concept. It was kind of an interesting one, I think, but um, they they had a system, like an optical system for tracking uh, customers entering a sort of a super high value store. So I think like Porsche uh, store okay. and uh, where every kind of piece of footfall is really uh, important. Um, but the problem was the staff were also going in and out those same entrances and kind of screwing up all the analytics. So they were kind of mucking up all the numbers. So every time somebody went on a SIG break or something, that was like counting. So what we did was we just put formation into their pockets in a kind of a transponder mode. And then we just tracked every time they entered and exited the building uh, as staff. And then we subtracted that from the old school analytics that they were tracking. And then in that way, we were able to actually make their analytics accurate finally. So it was an interesting kind of weird example of how you can use kind of modern approaches to geo to kind of solve some of these kind of older kind of legacy problems. I agree. Interesting use case. Uh, let's, let's dive into some of the technical aspects. I mean, the first thing that strikes me is, you know, imagine some big company with like a, a factory or whatever wants to be tracking all the, all their team members and, and equipment or whatever. How do you, how do you get a map of the factory? I mean, I imagine you have to send someone out to physically map that or how do you, I mean, this is kind of a weird dynamic facility, right? How do you how do you capture that? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really fair point. Uh, it can be difficult, but it's oftentimes not so difficult. Like they generally would tend to have architectural plans or or other other floor plans of their building um, for other reasons. Uh, um, uh, so that that's a really good source. Like architects' plans can be scanned in, uh, you know, and then geo-referenced onto our world map, um, and then they just access them immediately. So in a sense, it's kind of the easy part for us. I mean, we can even work with like fire escape plans now. So and that, that's relatively common. So we kind of like those in a way because they're standardized. Um, it's a legal requirement. They kind of come in a, a pretty similar format all the time. Um, they they do include some information that we'd rather not show, but but it's still a really pragmatic way to get a map uh, that's correctly georeferenced showing up in the right place um, for the company. So so the mapping bit itself is only difficult if we have to create the map from scratch. Then it's just a body of work. Um, and we've never actually done one. We've never actually mapped a location from scratch like that. There was always something to work with, whether it was the the, the fire escape plan or some kind of 
illustration or so there was always something there that we could work with. Um, and the, the most we've ever done is just recreated a floor plan from scratch um, and added, added a lot of detail. Um, yeah. So it's actually not that difficult and we can now do it remotely. So we can do that from anywhere. It's, it's kind of part of our goal that we can set up locations without having to physically go there. Um, Very uh, yeah. I mean, as a startup scaling, that's kind of a key, it's a key ingredient, right? So if, if we can, if we can, if we can kind of set up the entire uh, company and their processes and the kind of people and everything and the location and all that without actually attending the location ourselves, then we can scale much faster. So that's, that, that's kind of why it's a goal of ours. Got it. So then I guess the next piece, so now you have the map and, and people have the app installed. So, but I think another key piece that I feel like is often overlooked, particularly with um, people who come at it from a technical background, is it's all about like the 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 engineering competency and the technical use case. But they and they they neglect or forget about or unable to achieve the usability, right? For right. the for the for the for the employees and things, because it's you know so often someone in the head office is like, oh, let's buy this tool and it's going to make everyone more productive. And they neglect the the actual usability, right? Do the actual employees understand it, get it, see the benefits? Um, so how, how do you kind of approach that challenge? So, um, I mean, it's a really core kind of topic for us in a way because we see the, we see the map as actually a, a shortcut to better usability, like a better experience, better user experience overall. Um, pretty much everyone understands maps. Uh, they're, they're kind of widely used and and widely understood. So a map is actually a really good approach when you're trying to make a, a, an app and make it very usable and kind of a good experience where you you're where there's a wide range of capabilities in the user groups. Yep. So, um, so, 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 so from that perspective, I mean, people tend to think spatially already, right? So we think about, you know, my thing is in the kitchen or, you know, I've got to go to that meeting and, you know, and so, so our brains tend to operate spatially already. So, so again, from that perspective, um, it, it provides for a better user experience, but beyond that, um, all the tools that we've added. So like I referenced earlier points of interest and even our search, we've got a really good search. Ulis Van Gerp, our CTO is also a search elastic search expert. So, so not, not only geo, but also the, the search piece. So, so when you put those together, you get a very heavily driven, uh, search driven kind of experience. And, um, we, what we've tried to do is just, uh, approach it like a consumer application. So, so we're not approaching it like some stiff piece of enterprise software that requires weeks of training or something. And we're not selling training. Like we really want this to be a solution that works for the workers out of the box. The, the goal is that the workers, um, if they left their phone in the locker or something would run back to get it because their day would be so much worse if they didn't have their phone and formation in their hand. Like, so, um, we can sell, uh, solutions to the higher ups inside companies, but if the workforces and the workers themselves are not motivated to use it, then, you know, maybe we'll get one year sale, but we won't get a renewal. So like to, to make real value, um, it's gotta be information easily understood, easily digestible, easily shared, you know, in the hands of the people who need it on the shop floor, you know, where they need it, when they need it. And, uh, and it's gotta be highly, highly usable and, and, a and a very clear, simple 
experience. So, so I think internally our mindset as a company is that there's no difference in the user experience we're going to create for the workers as then as if it's somebody on um, Twitter. Okay. Well, this then leads to kind of a natural transition to the question of privacy, right? It's a huge issue with all location-based services, but how, you know, I could imagine some employees are kind of hesitant to always, you know, do I want my boss to always know exactly where I am? Do I want him to know, you know, I went, uh, went and had a cigarette when I was supposed to be not, uh, you know, how, how do you manage that? How does, does that come up? I mean, in, in Germany, it, that must be a huge issue, right? I mean, Germany is the most privacy conscious market in the world. So how, how do you address this? No, it's, it's, it's definitely true. I mean, Germany is probably one of the most difficult countries in the world in that respect, but I think it's a good thing. I mean, I mean, people should be concerned about their privacy. And uh, so we, we went on a bit of a journey with it. So initially when, when the product was designed, it was designed with a kind of a global sharing model in mind. So you turn on sharing and then everybody in your team or the company could see your position while you were sharing. But since then, we've redesigned that. So it's, so now it's a granular system. So when I want to share, I just share my location temporarily with specifically Ed. And that's specifically because we're about to meet or okay. for some other very clear purpose. And, and it's very like uh, temporarily constrained and, and then the sharing is over. And uh, so your boss never saw you. Um, so the granularity is kind of the key. We, we adhere to the privacy by design um, principle. So, you know, we've, we're working now to like design privacy protecting measures into kind of everything we do inside the product. So that's like a core consideration. We want to, we want to be very uh, workers union friendly and, you know, we, it's not in our interest. Like we said earlier, uh, uh, we want to give the workers the best possible experience. So it's not in our interest that they, they, they don't feel that their location is private. So, so the key is really to allow the granular sharing. So you decide, so sharing is off by default. And if you do want to share, you share, you decide who you share with and for how long and when and why you, and you full control over it. And it's super clear when you're sharing, there's like a banner on screen, you are sharing location. So it's like impossible to miss it. So that's the part of the privacy by design approach. And, uh, yeah, so just giving the user total control and having it off by default. We also have a, um, so when we're doing new deployments for customers, we have feature flags and one of the feature flags we can turn off is sharing. So you don't even see the button in the UI if it's, if it's, if it's any way problematic for the teams or the company, we can just turn it off. So that's um, our whole product is kind of designed from this kind of modular approach. So everything can be sort of turned on and off, um, including bits of the UI like that. Very nice, very nice. So um, I, I think that's key. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's been difficult for you in the beginning, given the the privacy conscious focus, which I, 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 obviously it makes sense. But there are times it can feel a bit obsessive and and uh, absurd. Um, but you know, by by forcing you to succeed in this difficult environment, I think it positions you well as you expand internationally and. Um, 
Yeah, I, like I, I think the what it led to that was interesting was initially when I, you know, when we were kind of designing the product really early on, the the focus was primarily on this kind of like squad tool where there's like a squad of people like operating on a map, and the map is just you know it's just they're using the map to to coordinate themselves. But le- but but really we moved in towards a people, places, things kind of model. So it's like a very light, incredibly light uh, digital twin in your pocket of the environment you're operating in. So we started to become much more conscious of things like situational awareness and enabling that for anybody who's using the environment. We started to think a lot about, you know, which different types of people like guests, um, you know, visitors, workers, management, like the different kinds of people who would be using the environment, maybe customers, uh, you can think of passengers in a train station. Like these are all, all right. different kind of roles that could potentially be using the, the the that could be interacting with the product. So so we I think we change focus naturally in the way the product and the business is developing. So so the kind of person to person sharing is you know kind of uh, lower in the hierarchy of kind of key features now than when it was at the beginning. But we also went on that journey that we just just discussed and uh and this is super interesting learning like it, i think the issue with it in germany is you're 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 trying to bring like a piece of productivity uh software to help companies to help them run better but then in all the conversations you're having the privacy topic ends up becoming this super dominant kind of topic which takes up kind of 50 percent of the meeting and, and that's that that's the bit that's probably negative for startups about this area but i but i think the drive for privacy is very well founded and we fully we fully support it we want to be private ourselves so we totally get it um yeah well i I think it is part of the natural evolution you know as over the last you know 10 15 years what is technically possible has exploded i mean you you know things that you never thought would be possible are now trivial and uh, very inexpensive and very easy to do and so then it requires a time period for kind of the cultural change to understand, you know, what what does this mean and what are the implications and how should we use this and how do we, you know, what is fair and what is equitable. And, I, you know, I just think that's a journey society kind of needs to go on. Um, so. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's I, I think there's a lot of... Um, I, I think the issue with location-based technology is interesting is that, that people tend to immediately think about tracking and positioning and uh, can my boss see my cigarette break, uh, my extended cigarette break or whatever. Um, and that's just kind of a natural tendency, I think. But but obviously as um, maps are becoming more and more part of our life and more and more applications are uh, featuring maps, um, I think I think that's changing, But but I think we still have a ways to go um and like you mentioned earlier germany is is also it's a much higher bar in that it's at the extreme end yeah yeah so okay well um congrats this is a this is interesting that you're kind of at the forefront of this and and actually getting it rolled out to huge enterprises so 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 what's next what's the next step for formation yeah. So, um, so like, like we mentioned earlier, we, we have the clear goal to, to provide a, uh, express, uh, solution to customers. So, so location is very difficult for a lot of companies to adopt. So what we want to do is 
completely remove that friction. So our approach to doing that is we're now offering a kind of a, a clearly defined boxed product, as it were. So it has very clear ingredients. It's very clearly defined. Um, so, um, so like, for example, it's, um, it already comes with the maps and the layers that we mentioned. So on layers, uh, content can be um, distributed across layers. So any content that's created, uh, users can even create layers and then assign specific pieces of content to that. Um, so, but the world map is already there, and then the floor plans we can georeference really easily. Later, we'll add tools for users to do that themselves, even. Um, but in terms of the layers, I think it's quite interesting because um, when you combine layers with user roles, um, then you have the situation like let's say a guest enters the building, and the guest can access the guest layer. And on the guest layer is all the non-sensitive information about the the building and how it works. Whereas maybe there's a security team and the security team might access the security layer. And on there, you can have a lot of sensitive information and stuff. So, so you sort of have an, an idea of like a, a one environment, but maps that are customized to the individual that's looking at it. And that's, that's an area we're very interested in more longer term. And some of the approaches we're, we're kind of considering to do that, we think are... are are, are quite kind of innovative and interesting. Um, yeah, so we, we also have introduced, um, in terms of positioning, we just out of the box uh, run with GNSS positioning, so the, the European system, Galileo, and um, and that's good enough, even indoors, to give a working position. So, you know, under six meters is, is considered like the usable um, threshold, and we can get well under that on average. So, so it's actually surprisingly useful. We, I, I think, what's interesting maybe for the listeners is we had started this business assuming that you would need like millimeter or centimeter type level positioning, but as we kind of went through uh, rolling it out, we sort of realized that more and more of the use cases we were looking at didn't require that at all. And and in some in some cases required no positioning system, which is interesting. So you, you would you would assume a map based solution like has a complete dependency on positioning, but our experience was different. It turned out not to be the case. But so but as a kind of a a, a midpoint kind of solution, we've we've gone for GNSS to do positioning. So there is positioning always on inside the tool, and then on the tracking side, I think we had a nice innovation where we just use. Um, uh, stickers which have got QR codes on them and NFC tags inside, and yeah. they can and they can be scanned or or tapped. Uh, uh, they, the stickers can be applied to any object at all. They're relatively inexpensive, so we can make many, many tens of thousands of them if needed uh, for an environment. They can be applied to any object and then scanned from inside formation and their position on the map is is refreshed. I see. So then, yeah, so then you can track anything very quickly. Huh? Yeah. You just slap a sticker on it. Yeah, I mean, if you're, tra- if you're tracking something for like 10 euros, it doesn't make sense to put a 25 euro tracker on it. So, so but with this approach... Yeah, we brought that down to like under a euro. So, right, so that okay. kind of changes the game a little bit in, in things that could be, that could be tracked. Um, so then, as we mentioned, there's also the tools for teams. So there's like a, a you know, meetings or rally points, uh, points of interest and tasks can be all created on the map directly by any user with the rights um, and assigned to any other user in the teams uh, that operate in the building. So, so very light uh, productivity tools. Then uh, we also talked about search, search and tag. So, with tagging, uh, absolutely anything can be tagged, 
And then tags can operate in groups. So you can find groups of objects on the map very simply. And then um, with communications and alerts, we have an alert feed. So you're going to stay up to date with the latest happenings in the environment um, by checking out the alerts feeds. And then from the contact card inside formation, there's a contact card for every user. And from in there, uh, calls, SMS and emails can be initiated directly from inside formation. So you can actually just call the person direct if you want. Uh, in, inside the app. So, and we're going to definitely broaden that later. We're very interested in a walkie-talkie mode and a few other, a few other ways of communicating that we think are quite interesting. Um, yeah, and and then I, I think the final ingredient of what's in that kind of express location box that we're now very busy uh, selling is is the openness. So you can import and export any data that's being created elsewhere or inside formation um really easily so it's very very open um on both sides and then uh, of course we have an api and we allow people if they want to do custom things that are not on our map or not possible yet on our map they can use our api to make that happen so we had a case of that with kmax where that's one of the large manufacturers in germany but they had a um very old uh, legacy uh, machines um but those machines were integrated with sap on their side and they were reporting out a status, a uh, very okay. simple status, like a traffic lights system, you know, like, uh, like red, red, green, amber kind of thing. And um, and we were able to uh, we were able to uh, integrate with SAP using our API, and then render on the map the positions and the status of all those machines, and then forklift drivers at the location were using the map to decide. Uh, where to go to next in order to collect the latest full load from the machines. So uh, they were much more efficient and happier in their daily work because they used to just spend a lot of time just searching for the next kind of uh, machine to go to. So um, that's a good example of the openness. But um, but that 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 together is the box. That's what we call, kind of call the express location box. And um, yeah, we can sell it and deploy it remotely, uh, which is important because we want to, we, we want to move into full uh, SaaS, um, uh, so location as a service, online in the next um, year period. And um, that's a key kind of step towards that. And uh, yeah, so we can actually deploy a location now. You were asking about timing and setting up the maps and stuff. We could probably deploy a location now in about two to three hours. So yeah, we were at days and we were really happy, but we've gotten it down to hours. So like once we have the go ahead from the company, we can do that really rapidly. So hence the express in the name. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. Sounds like you got a lot going on there. Um, yeah, exciting. a lot happening there. Yeah, for sure. So we have big sales focus at the moment in the, in the team and uh, we're growing the team right now. We've just made some people FTEs and uh, yeah, so there's definitely a lot happening. It's an exciting time. Um, we're we're almost finished with the execution on the first army project, so and that's gone great so far. So we're super happy about that. Um, um we've also set up their headquarters, the Berlin, uh, the cyber innovation um, uh, hub, uh, their headquarters in, in Berlin. So that's set up as a kind of a showcase location. So lots of visiting dignitaries now being shown. Um, formation as an example of the digitalization work going on inside the army. So there's just lots going on. Um, definitely a lot of moving parts. Well, congratulations. Uh, very Thank exciting. You. We'll, um, we'll get a link to your jobs page in the, in the show notes for anyone <laughs> who wants to get involved. Um, but, but which raises a good point. Uh, how can people best get in touch? How can people learn more? 
Sure. Uh, so yeah, uh, our domain is tryformation.com. That's T-R-Y formation.com. And then if you want to get in touch with me directly, it's I-H uh, at tryformation.com. Excellent. So we'll get that out to the show notes. I appreciate you coming on the show, Ian. This is exciting and uh, all good wishes to you and the team for the for the coming coming time. Thanks so much, Ed. Thanks a lot for having us. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Um, you can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. Um, you can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GMOP event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.